All right. Great. Azure Scapegoat, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? What's going on? I'm doing good. Yeah. I've uh, been doing doing some writing uh, recently. I've um, I have ADHD, and I, I'm I'm like going through therapy and trying out different medications and stuff. But uh, for a while now, I've, I've been having a hard time making content, uh, making YouTube videos, and recording things. Uh, even even streaming is is kind of tough for me to just like get motivated to do that but i um i like i like writing i like to write so i've written a few articles um for my patreon um and i'm working on expanding my my website socialism101.com um and kind of rewriting a few things and expanding on a few topics because uh, that website uh, i i wrote that website maybe uh 2017 okay i think 2016 um uh, and i it hasn't really the, the content hasn't really changed that much since then um so i'm i'm kind of working on expanding that a little bit okay um, writing's keeping you busy then let's pull this side in here yeah yeah helps me uh feel productive <laughs> i bet i bet what's well, a good looking website here yeah. oh thank you uh, maybe we'll have some time to talk about that more later, I hope. Um, all right. Yeah. So, uh, Azure Scapegoat, uh, real one thing I love to start with is like what, uh, how we know each other. But actually, even before we do that, I, I like to remind uh, folks that uh, we've, of course, invited Azure Scapegoat here in the spirit of building leftist unity, strength and power. And, uh, in that, uh, in that same spirit, thank you for being willing to, to come and chat with us, share your story and, uh, your life. And of course, submit yourself to the leftist inquisition. Really excited to get <laughs> to know you more. I think we know each other because I've just seen uh, your content by watching other people's um, YouTube. I'm sorry, their their Twitch streams, and then along the way, yeah. I started I started playing them on my own. So, uh, and then uh, of course, you got to know Bleep Blop Ben. You've been on Ben's yeah. stream a couple of times, and uh, it was suggested that that we chat. And so that's that's I think that's the main story how we know each other, right? Am I missing? Yeah, yeah. Um, I got to know Ben because he raided me a while back. Uh, Quite a while ago now when i was streaming and uh i didn't know who he was but he raided me and he had like 30 viewers or something and i thought who's this guy and so i just uh, checked out his stream i was in his chat for a while and then at some point i just like suggested hey i could come on voice if you want and and uh, we became friends that way and then i became friends with some of his moderators and people in his community and then one of his moderators named uh, Grom told me that you had told him that you wanted to interview me, but you were too scared to ask me. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that is totally it. All right. Called out. <laughs> there it is. Absolutely. Well, thank you again for joining and, uh, and, uh, and, and, uh, and tell him and sort of show him. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have been so scared. I shouldn't be so scared. You're really nice. You're really, uh, uh, just, uh, thank you. Very, very thoughtful. I, thank I, you again for spending your time with me. <laughs> oh, that's all right all right so uh intro yourself as your scapegoat uh, your name your pronouns where where people can find you a little bit more about what you're up to yeah well, I'm, I'm asher scapegoat i run the asher scapegoat youtube channel pronouns are they them um and uh 
yeah, I got, I got a website, socialism101.com. I got a Twitch. I got a Twitter. That's it, really. YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, website. Okay. I cool. uh, make YouTube videos, or I'm supposed to anyway. <laughs> uh, every now and then I stream on Twitch, and I maintain... Uh, I maintain socialism101.com, which is a website aimed at uh, people who are beginners to socialism and socialist theory and explaining kind of uh, in-depth, uh, complicated theoretical issues in a way that most people can understand. That's basically my whole deal with everything that I do on the internet is, is trying to make um, complicated... Uh, socialist theory understandable for people who don't have you know weeks to spend on uh, reading various prose by you know 150 year old dead guys <laughs> it's a little hard to read for me I'm not gonna lie not not your website but yeah the prose yeah yeah, yeah this is sounds like exactly what someone like it um, me would uh, really benefit from uh, for for whatever it's worth. I'm a relatively new leftist, uh, trying to yeah. learn things and expose myself to the right things. And this seems like a, a really valuable resource. All right, yeah, awesome. It's uh, it's always more to learn, yeah. no matter how how long you've been reading, how long you've been studying leftism. There's it's always more to think about and philosophize about. So Andrew Scapegoat, you got the YouTube channel. You've done the uh, Socialism 101. Um, what can people expect from your YouTube channel? Uh, uh, just spell that out, just basically. Yeah, yeah I, I make, um, I guess I try to make sort of lighthearted, not too complicated or rambly videos, um, scripted videos with like some, maybe some animations uh, or animatics, I don't know what you would call it. Um, just like explainer videos about various things I find interesting. It can be about socialism or anything, really. I made a video about uh, Sweden's national anthem, for instance, which unrelated to socialism, but it's still something I found interesting, and so I wanted to make a video about it, and so I did. I think that's one thing that makes your channel very... Um, uh just genuine you, you could tell you could tell you're just like oh they're they're not just ideologically fucking like right down the the middle like you, you obviously ex explore a couple different things along the way and and it's lighthearted mm. and lighthearted and and fun to listen to you, yeah you know, I, I, could, I could listen to you and the and the guy the chicago botany guy i could listen to you and, and that guy talk about just about anything oh <laughs> <laughs> well, you know i i have been uh been thinking about and I'm planning to record uh, a few audiobooks uh, to release on my Patreon hey. so that I can read some uh, some books that I think are important, uh, some socialist theory maybe, that I think people should have read. But, uh, you know, as someone with ADHD, I'm fully aware a lot of people don't like reading. So I'm going to put together some, some audiobooks in the future. It's probably going to take a while to, to produce that, but... Um, I'll I'll announce it eventually when when that comes out and it's going to be available on my Patreon for one dollar uh, or however much you want to pay for it. That's great, Azure Scapegoat. Well, I think I'll be looking forward to that. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, what else do you want to talk more about uh, your projects or are are we ready to talk about some hobbies? What what else? Can you, like, what else, 
What else do you do during your free time if you have any? What else do you like to do? Um, well, I'm a I'm a paradox nerd. I play play paradox games. Uh, played Hearts of Iron. Okay. Way too much Hearts of Iron. Too much. Um. Uh. There's a mod for it now uh, called the New Order: Last Days of Europe, which is which is just this kind of story-centric alternate universe uh, it's made by my by a fantastic group of people very uh, anti like uh, a bunch of anti-fascists kind of exploring the concept of um if if the Nazis had won uh, the second world war it takes place in the 60s beginning in the 60s but uh, it's from the perspective of you know more realistic uh, like it, it doesn't show uh, the Nazis as like this triumphant, successful empire, but rather as a you know the crumbling mess that it actually would be had they succeeded, mm. and the the inherent contradictions um, and and problems and inevitable collapse that faces uh, any fascist power. And it's it's very story centric. There's a lot of reading in it. It's it's not it's very different from Vanilla Hearts of Iron, which is mostly focused on the gameplay, but okay. I like it a lot, and, and, and uh, something I've been spending a lot of time on. I also play Stellaris, I've played Crusader Kings, and Europa Universalis, and Surviving Mars, and a bunch of grand strategy games like that. That's what I'm really into. Yeah, cool. Big gamer. Um, Alright, so Azure. Uh, Azure Scapegoat. Now we get to... By the way, you look adorable today. Thank you. Yeah. Um... We get to talk about your leftward bound journey. Um, this is your pathway to leftism or left adjacentism. You don't have to define your politics or ideology if you don't want to. Mm. You're encouraged to if you're comfortable doing so. But how about we start that a, a discussion about your pathway towards leftism? Yeah, um, I, I I made. I think I've, I've only made one video about it so far, but oh. but I, I made a video called I think it's called Am I a Leninist? Okay. Where I kind of talk about uh, ideology and labels and that kind of thing, and kind of my problem with my problem with ideological labels. Um, but for the sake of convenience, I say that I am an orthodox Marxist. That uh, which which is kind of a broad category, right? Mm -hmm. Where I, you know, I base my my ideological views on uh, the works of Karl Marx, Friedrich Engels, as well as some of the successors like Karl Kotsky, uh, some of the writings of Edward Bernstein, some of the writings of Rosa Luxemburg, Antonio Gramsci. Uh, I was a Leninist, a Marxist Leninist for a while. Um, I was active in, in a communist youth, Marxist Leninist youth organization and, and the Swedish Communist Party. So I do have some Leninist tendencies, um, but I don't call myself a Leninist uh, anymore. But uh, my my leftward journey, I, I guess, uh, it's it's hard to hard to um, really pinpoint exactly when I started that. But let me think. I know already in in middle school 
uh, when I was maybe 13, 12 or 13, I, I remember being interested in, in like the Soviet Union. Not really for any political reason. I think I'd, I just kind of thought it was funny to pretend I, I was a really ardent supporter of the Soviet Union. Uh, I think mostly to annoy my history teacher. Um, and so I w- would kind of unironic or, or kind of in a semi-ironic manner ask him to talk about the Soviet Union a lot, uh, which was just a running joke that I had, which I think only I found funny at the time. <laughs> um, I do remember what the when I first joined. Actually, something else I should talk about before that. Um, I grew up in, in a very conservative uh, village, uh, a very small village in, in the north of Sweden. Um, and uh, I, I, you could say I, I grew up with very backward views on a lot of things, on race and uh, LGBT things, and just very, you know, the environment I grew up in was very conservative. Uh, socially, although fisc- fiscally, social democratic, which is kind of the how how politics works in 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 Sweden is in the countryside. You have social democrats, but who are largely socially uh, conservative or reactionary, and in the cities you have you know fiscal liberals and, and liberal conservatives, but who are socially progressive. Um, so <laughs> being a progressive socialist is kind of uh, kind of don't really have allies anywhere. Um, but I, when I was eleven, we moved to uh, to Gothenburg, where I, where I still live, which is a very large city, uh, second largest city in in the country, uh, which was a very, you know, stark difference for me moving from a, you know, a village of two hundred people to a city of five hundred thousand people. Um, and I I started uh. Um, started school there, and I, I I was on Tumblr before that, but um, starting after I, I I had moved to Gothenburg, I started seeing you know posts from people talking about issues that I'd never really thought seriously about, like race and LGBT and. Uh, class to to a certain extent, though not a large extent, and you know feminism and and sexism and um, you know uh, gun violence in in America. I think I think largely it was it was American American blogs that I that I followed that would occasionally mention or talk about politics. What I think was kind of my first time ever really thinking about anything remotely political was maybe when I was twelve or thirteen. And and that was my first exposure to politics was uh, Tumblr, and that kind of mostly the the social aspect of, of politics, you know, social injustices. Um, and I, uh, you know, I'd never thought critically about race or or homosexuality or or uh, transsexuality or anything um, until that point. I'd just kind of grown up in an environment that was very conservative. Um, and I had those views uh, challenged, uh, you know, talking to people 
on the internet and being exposed to you know real <laughs> gay people for example and not just the concept of gay people um and um so i i guess i guess you could say i when i was first became political i started out uh, more or less as a social liberal i suppose uh, mostly interested in feminism and and racial justice and 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 that kind of thing not really thinking at all about economics or or class or anything like that then um i think one of the first aha moments i had about class or economics was uh, i don't know if i don't know if you remember there was a website called ask.fm it's kind of like curious cat it's uh you set up an account and people can send in questions uh so i follow i follow the people people on there a few um um i don't i don't, I don't want to expose anyone but I, but i followed a girl who who was uh, uh kind of involved in in the feminist scene in 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 sweden she got a question i can't remember exactly what it was but it was something to do with uh veganism uh, i think Mm, something about judging people who aren't vegan and and she responded with with something like you can't blame every like you can't blame people for not being vegans because not everyone can afford to choose their diet um and i think that was the first time i ever thought about class or or anything like that I mean, I, 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 you know, I had a yeah. vague concept of like yeah, some people are rich, some people are poor, but I think that was the first time I really thought that, oh, politics is not just about, you know, you choose to be a feminist, you choose to be a vegan, right? It's also about the material aspect, right? It's about the the material condition that you live in, which you don't choose, right? Because up until that point, I'd I'd been all full, you know, vote with your wallet. Uh, that kind of liberal, right? Like, oh, just boycott H and M or you know whatever. Like these these, uh, in hindsight, you know, uh, fruitless efforts uh, about just that that politics is is about this war of ideas, right? That it, it's all about convincing, you know, the racist and and then xenophobe that to not be racist, right? It's all about convincing the capitalists to not be so mean and to to you know be nice to to workers in the third world and and that kind of thing right it's it was all about just just ideas and idealism right uh, i guess that that's that's the most best way to put it is is without knowing it i was you know a hegelian idealist you know i thought it was all about a war of ideas a dialectic of ideas called it a, a galian idealist I, I, that may be new to me um Hegelian, so Hegel was a um, German philosopher, I guess you could say, who uh, had a concept of dialectics, which is a Greek word about um, dialogue and how the, the ancient Greek concept is about how a dialogue between two people having a, a discussion or a debate about something, you have uh, one person on one side who has a, uh, a thesis, and then you have another person on another side who has a synthesis. And their uh, dialogue creates a, a synthesis, which is a, a merger 
of the two opposing ideas into a new idea. That's the ancient Greek philosophical concept of dialectics. Hegel took that and and kind of uh, his theory was very simplified because Hegelian dialectics is a, is a whole thing. It's about um, the entire world and society and the economy and politics and everything is uh, dialectics. And it's all about opposing ideas. It's all about, uh, you know, freedom versus slavery or ideas, right? And it's all about them clashing with each other and, and, and this great debate in society about, you know, slavery, for instance, or, or about religious freedom or, or whatever it is. Hegel thought it could be applied to anything, right? It's, everything is about the clashing of ideas. And that society moves forward when ideas, one of the ideas wins out and incorporates aspects of the other one or the two ideas are merged and a new idea is found, the synthesis is found. And that for, that's the, the basics. Uh, the, the Hegelian dialectics forms the base for what we call uh, material dialectics or dialectic materialism, which is the Marxist concept where Marx argued that instead of everything being about ideas, it's all about material conditions. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess I could keep going, but I'm kind of getting sidetracked here. That's, no, it's, it's all good. Okay, so, oh gosh. Um, oh boy. Yeah, you're, you're, you're spelling out a lot of uh, things that I've uh, been, been learning about, uh, but honestly, hearing you say it to me, first person, I seem to be really learning it and, <laughs> and uh, and getting it really good. Um, good. Okay, so yeah, we've we. Um, here's the thing as well. I, I need you to know that uh, I, I really look at this as us planting seeds today, and I'm hoping I'm crossing my fingers uh, that you know we can we can look forward to future visits from you. You know, we're not oh, going to yeah, change sure. the world with a with a one hour chat. You know, we're getting to know you. We're introducing you to my uh, to my uh, community, etc. And uh, and we'll be. I'm hoping, of course, we'll be able to dig in more. So we're planting seeds right now, and. Um, those are like really good seeds, and I, I'm, I'm just looking at the time, and I, I, I hope you have enough time. We've booked you for an hour. Uh, I want to oh, yeah. try to keep it to that uh, just to, uh, uh, for you. I don't have a hard stop, but um, okay. How about this? Um, let's, let's sort of like pin that right there because that's just all really good stuff, and I, I honestly could just let you go on. It would be wonderful, right? It would be <laughs> great content. But I do have a little bit of, a, of an interview here, and I'd love to – I'd love to continue to ask um, more specifically about your leftward bound journey, because I'd love yeah. to continue talking about material dialectics and uh, uh, Marxism. And uh, I feel I, th I thought I learned about material dialectics from from Marxism, Maoism. I, did, I, I, I guess that came mm -hmm. before Mao, huh? I was confused. Yeah, Marx. Okay. Marx came before Mao. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, what, what was what was Mao's? What did Mao? How did Mao evolve things? What was his? Well, uh, Mao. <laughs> Mao, I guess you could say, Mao viewed himself as a Leninist first and foremost. Yeah. He he took the ideas of Lenin and and in his and to him he he applied Leninism to China to, right. to make Leninism work in China. He didn't set out to create a new ideology that would 
you know, be for the entire world to okay. follow China's example. He originally set out just to take what worked in Russia, tweak it, and and apply it in China. Um, which uh, you know worked in some aspects and really did not work in other aspects. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he he wrote a book called On Contradictions, which, uh, if I remember correctly, it was written in order to explain the concept of uh, dialectics and dialectic materialism to uh, soldiers in uh, in the uh, the army the the red army um, it wasn't i don't think it was called the people's liberation army yet i think it was still called the chinese workers and peasants red army or something but it, it was written for soldiers so it was sort of his um, his way to try to explain uh, the philosophical concept to people who hadn't done a lot of, you know, theory reading yet. So on contradictions, although I'm not a Maoist, it's actually a, a book that I recommend uh, now or then to people to understand uh, dialectical materialism. Awesome. Okay, Azure scapegoat. Uh, this well, this is all this is all wonderful. Honestly, I'm really enjoying the chat, but I'd love to uh, keep digging in. Uh, okay. Along your way, uh, we holy shit. We talked about a lot of different things. We we touched on um, <laughs> you, you were on Ask dot com, and I think this really stuck out to me. And yeah, you asked about veganism, and it's sort of you had like a a, a, a shift, like a, a viewing a view shift moment. The way that uh, yeah, you weigh you look at the world, you're like, okay, uh, some of these problems are. You got to take another step back and and ask yeah. and ask about the class analysis there, and and realize yeah. that uh, not everyone could be a vegan. Because they can't afford it. They yeah. literally, I mean, some people live in like food deserts, et cetera, but yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, a really it, great moment to point to. I'm sorry, go on, it, yeah. It's the fact that it's it's not just all about personal choice, you know. And this idea that politics can also be about things that you can't choose, right? Because, you know, I I just been used to the concept that like, Everyone, you know, you choose whether or not to be a homophobe, you choose whether or not to be a racist, but you can't choose whether or not to be poor, right? Um, so I guess I guess that was kind of my my aha moment. Awesome. I, uh, I I have another please distinct please. memory. <clears throat> I was walking home from from school from from the tram, uh, the tram stop, um, and on a one of those. Uh, uh, electric, uh, uh, what do you call them? Like electric power boxes, things on the streets. Like scooters. Uh, someone. Hmm? No, 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 okay. no. Just like a uh, like yeah. a power box. Big... Yeah, transformer thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, someone had a uh, uh, spray painted um, the logo. It, it was a it was star with a with a, a raised fist in it, and and underneath it said rku.nu which was the website for uh, the uh, revolutionary communist youth uh, youth organization in, in, in Sweden. And um, I went to the website. It was, as far as I remember, it was free to join. Um, or the first month, you didn't have to pay membership or something like that. And I just clicked the uh, become a member button and they sent me a they sent me a letter home in the mail with a bunch of brochures and and various 
information about who they were and, and what they believed in and kind of the basics of socialism. And that was the organization that, that I was active in uh, when I was young, in my youth. Uh, they were, you know, they're a Marxist-Leninist, you know, very, you know, staunch, anti-revisionist uh, Marxist-Leninist organization. Um, they they probably changed since since I was a member. It's it's been quite a while now, but uh, I was I was active there for for a few years. Um, uh, but I was I also got to know uh, people from kind of all over from various different organizations, uh, you know, democratic socialists and and Trotskyists and uh, syndicalists. There, there's a syndicalist youth um, organization. Uh, that's pretty active in in Gothenburg. That you know, I met a few of them. We had like a, a pub nights where we'd you know just buy a bunch of alcohol and you know we'd raise money for the organization and uh, just have a fun time and listen to music and stuff. And yeah, the, I I hung out with a lot of different people with a lot of different ideas about you know society and, and socialism and stuff. And I, I guess just over time, I, I became kind of disillusioned with uh, Leninism. Um, okay. I, it, it's, a, it's a long story, I, I suppose. But over time, I, I started reading. Uh, I started reading a lot more theory on my own, uh, and not just reading, you know, the Leninist interpretations of, of Marx, but but actually reading Marx firsthand and. Um, I, I guess, I guess you, I, you know, I didn't become an anti-Leninist, but I just kind of wanted to take that step back and, uh, be more open to, to other leftist tendencies and find good ideas, uh, more broadly across the, the spectrum, right? So, so not completely dismiss Rosa Luxemburg, for instance, just because she had critiques of Lenin, right? But to, you know allow myself to read what she wrote and incorporate her beliefs and interpret them for, you know, a modern period and try to understand her perspective and use that to evolve my own understanding of the world and, and socialism, which is kind of, kind of why I, you know, I, I've, I've called myself like a generic Marxist or just uh, oh, there's a word for it, but I, I forget what it is now. Um, like a non non denominational. That's it. Non denominational yep. Marxist or non denominational socialist. As a joke, I've called myself a anarcho Marxist syncretist syncreticist. Um, just because I like I've had chats with uh, American Johnson from uh, Non Compete, yeah. and we we've had a very long we had a five hour long discussion about marxism versus anarchism yeah. uh, which is on my my youtube channel for anyone who has five hours to waste um and like we agree on much more than perhaps i initially thought that we did hmm. um so yeah that's kind of my my general trend has has been toward opening myself up to to uh, leftist tendencies and, and ideologies that I had initially dismissed um, 
because they they weren't in in the box, right? I'd assigned myself a box, and that box was Marxism and Leninism, and everything that wasn't inside my box, I didn't touch. I didn't want to. I didn't want anything to do with it because I wanted to fit in to this ideological box. I wanted to be pure anti-revisionist. You know, I wanted to follow the the true uh, enlightened science of Marxism Leninism, right? So I. I, I I guess you could say I'm I'm an anti-boxist. That's what I am now. Anti-anti-boxist. <laughs> and I, and, I, and I encourage everyone to to read uh, read books from from all across uh, Marxism and anarchism, and you know read uh, Kropotkin, read Makhno, read Lenin, read Luxembourg, read Mao. Like read something from everyone, right? Like. Mm-hmm. Decide for yourself what ideas are worth keeping and, and which ones aren't. And don't confine yourself to a, a single box. That's my main message, I think, to, to leftists. It's great stuff. I find, like, if you confine yourself to a box, sometimes it's just like, it, it just makes you more skeptical of other things than you are skeptical of your own things. It's just sort of like, if yeah. you could boil it down, it's just sort of that. It's just like, you need to look at everything with this, maybe a similar amount of skepticism. Yeah. Beautiful stuff as your scapegoat. Yeah. Thank you. I was going to ask what your hashtag be best advice would be for uh young leftists or a younger version of yourself. Would it be that? Would you want to throw some el- something else in there. And I'm just going to pause really quickly and say, hello, ADT. Thank you for the raid. Hello, Raiders. Really good to be with you. I'm talking today with Azure Scapegoat. If you're with me already, make sure you follow ADT. A Difficult Truth is a really, truly wonderful content creator. Big brain, big heart. We love ADT. All right, Azure. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, what else? What else would you share in terms of uh, 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 advice-wise uh, for a young leftist, for just a young person? Uh, or, of course, if, if, if you already gave me the goods, we could skip this. Yeah, I mean, um, if, if what you're looking for is to understand theory, then sure. Because shameless uh, self-promotion. Uh, on the homepage, or if you go to socialism101.com, on the homepage, there is a, a reading guide, um, which links to, links to a Google document. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, yeah. Basic reading guide for beginners. Oh. It's uh, got a list uh, of a bunch of different books, as well as links to where you can books and and read them for free on on the web. If you don't, you know, if you really want, you know, paper books, then you'll have to find those on your own. But these just link to various websites where you can find them uh, online. Um, I like how it says Chapter One of Capital. I would if if you said the whole yeah. book, I would have been I would have been like, this is a terrible list. You need to work on it again. Yeah, I absolutely agree. <laughs> not that I've read yeah. it, but that's the point. I'm not gonna. But chapter yeah. one, now you're now we're talking. Now we're talking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's th- this is a, a reading guide specifically meant for people who haven't read uh, socialist theory before or have read very little, and but but people who nonetheless want to try reading it. And, and that's why at the very top I, I had um, Why Socialism by Albert Einstein, which is just really mm-hmm. just an article. It's not even a book. Um, but it's, it's an, you know, it's an overview of socialism versus capitalism. Um, and it, it's written in a way that basically anyone can, can understand it. 
Um, yeah, it's just a very basic explanation and basic overview of, of social, or, or really it, it's about the problems of, of capitalism and, and how socialism can be a solution to it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just an article written for the monthly review, but I think if if you're getting into theory, that's a good first thing to read, I think. Um, and I, I think kind of progressively as you go further down the list, the books kind of get longer, but I, I tried my best to make it you know, a very, very easy, very soft start, you know. Um, but yeah, the, if if what you're looking for is theory, then 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 I'd recommend this reading guide that I made. Cool. Uh, but if but uh, advice for people who wanna you know be involved in politics, I would say find uh, if there's a socialist party or organization in your area, I would encourage you to join them, even if. They may not share your specific socialist tendency. They might be, you know, believe in something slightly different than you do. But the main part is get to know, uh, get to know other socialists and uh, spend time with them and talk about your local communities and your local issues and coordinate on on uh, political action. Um, you know. Grassroots activism, direct action, that kind of thing. Um, I mean, you in America specifically, you, a lot of people don't, most people don't bother going to city council meetings, for instance. Very few people do. Um, so if you have a, you know, relatively small group of dedicated socialists, you can make a pretty large impact with, you know, a small amount of people by simply showing up to uh, you know city council meetings and making the case for um, public transport for instance so yeah i guess i guess that's my advice is read books and get involved with your local socialist party <laughs> it's awesome it's awesome as your scapegoat so that brings us now to the leftist inquisition the questionnaire that no one hates and everybody loves that's right <laughs> ready to go yeah, sure. This has been really good so far. Loving this. All right, as your scapegoat, first question. Do you have a favorite word? And you could pass or skip any question. I've never thought about it. Yeah. Um, maybe, um, no, I don't. <laughs> pass. <laughs> Do you have a least favorite word? No, I'm I'm pretty good. I mean, I know a lot of people don't like the word moist and stuff, yeah. but I no, I'm I'm I don't think I have a least favorite word. No, okay, all right. Now, do you have a favorite drug, uh, vice, or a guilty pleasure? You can feel free to name one of each. Um, probably sugar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, like like candy. What what sweets? Uh, it's, I mean, soda. I, yeah. I've, yeah, I, I do, I'm doing my best to, uh, get off it and stop drinking soda. I'm also going to try to stop drinking coffee because it's not good for your teeth. Uh, it's too acidic and, uh, I don't want to go to the dentist and have my, my teeth fixed so that often. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
Okay. Yeah, I, I drink a lot of coffee as well. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Um, anything else? Uh, vice, guilty pleasure? Um, yeah. Guilty pleasure? I don't I don't really believe in guilty pleasures. I think hey. if, yeah. if, you, uh, if you're getting pleasure from something and it's not hurting anyone, I don't think there's a need to feel guilty about it. I love it. All right. Azure Scapegoat. Now this brings us to sounds or noises. Is there one that you really like or even love? Um, I, I, I'm pretty sensitive to, to noise, actually. The, the only sound I really like is silence. <laughs> yeah. uh, depending on my mood, if, if I'm exceptionally tired, I can be very irritated by noises. Uh, chewing sounds is, is a co pretty common thing for people to... A lot of people don't like chewing sounds, uh, especially don't like crunchy, like people eating uh, chips. You know, yeah, okay. What, yeah, that, yeah, hate that a lot. But um, I can, I mean, I can, I can get annoyed at, depending on my mood, I can get annoyed at any random thing. Really, I, in an old apartment where I lived, there was a uh, a kitchen fan that I drove me insane, and I. Part of the reason why I had to move out of that apartment is because I couldn't turn it off. It was one of those kitchen fans that was always going. Um, I just, just there was no way to turn it off. I tried looking up like the manual for for like uh, online and and downloading the PDF for the manual, but like there's no way to turn it off. It was just constantly on. So that drove me insane, and I, some nights I couldn't sleep. Oh, that's the it. worst. Wait, you yeah, slept in the I, kitchen? I, <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a one-room apartment. It was like a okay, yeah. room, basically. Yeah. So it was a kitchenette. Got it. Yeah. yeah. Jeez. Yeah, one of those uh, uh, hot. What's it called? Uh, like exhaust plate, fan, I guess. Type. Like a cooker oh, on plate. top of the. Yeah. Um, I've 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 been outside, and then across the street, uh, there was a woman carrying a, a bag with like i assume like two or three wine bottles in it and just the sound that they made like uh hitting each other really annoyed me and it's just you know stuff like that like if i'm really tired if i woke up on the wrong side of the bed noises can just ruin my day just breaks my heart that the wine is wasted yeah it's sad. Oh, baby crying! Someone in chat, oh, yeah. man said, "Yeah, babies. that's terrible." Ridiculous babies. All right. Um, ooh, on to the cheese question. Um, mm. I think you. I believe you get one answer to this question because you were not raised in France or Wisconsin, unless I'm mistaken. <laughs> so you no. get one answer. What's your favorite cheese? Unless you break the rules, you get one answer. Um. Uh, I guess. I guess. Um. Brie. Brie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love the cheese question. I love it. Um, all right. Now, as your scapegoat, if you were reincarnated as a plant or a non-human animal and you could choose, what would it be? Um, I guess I'll be on brand and say a goat. Yeah. <laughs> I like goats. I, yeah. I think they're cute. They're uh, really cute. Yeah. We had a we had a goat 
when I gr was growing up. Um, oh. And a horse and ducks and uh, yeah, a bunch of animals and our neighbors had animals. But uh, yeah, I, goats are cool. They They hang out. They're pretty social. Like a lot, a lot of animals, um, barnyard animals are um, much more social than than we think of them. Um, it all depends on how how they're raised. Uh, I mean, if you take a a pig, a newborn pig, and and you raise it as you would a, a puppy, and you know you let it live with you as a dog would and you treat it like a dog, it's gonna behave exactly like a dog does. It's gonna be social, it's gonna, you know, run to the door when you come home and greet you and it's gonna wanna play and it's gonna be like a dog. And pigs, uh, in general, are more intelligent than dogs in the general ways that we measure intelligence, which is pretty human-centric and about how willing they are to do what we ask them to do. But, you know, uh, yeah, like... Pigs are domesticated animals, and just like dogs are, um, and they're you know they can be very social and very friendly, as can cows and sheep and all barnyard animals that we don't think of as pets, but they can totally be like pets if they're raised to be. Um, and yeah, I, I grew up around lots of different kinds of animals, so. I, yeah, always. I'm a, I'm a big fan of of all animals, really, and nature in general. I'm a hippie like that. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Okay, okay. Now moving on. If uh oh, oh yeah, uh, if you went to heaven at the end of your life, and if and and then God was there, what would what would you like to hear God say to you? Um, the question reminds me um uh, an interview with uh well it wasn't a, it wasn't an interview it was a discussion uh Stephen Fry and I, I believe a, a bishop from the Church of England and um I think the bishop asked him something like if you died and and you did you know you found out that God was real and and you saw him, wouldn't you throw yourself down on your knees and beg for forgiveness and, and beg for entrance into heaven? And Stephen Fry said something to the likes of, uh, I think if I met God, he would have to be the one asking me for forgiveness. Because if he is this omnipotent and all-powerful being, then how could he allow the suffering... Uh, of the world uh, to exist? How could he allow for so much suffering? And some religious people will say it's, you know, it's a test, it's to, you know, but if he's omnipotent, he wouldn't have to test us. He would know who is worthy. He, you know, he would have no need for tests and giving cancer to children is a wicked test, you know, even if he did need to do, test the morality or test the faith of people, you know, Letting children starve is just an objectively evil thing to do. So I guess that's it. If I died and I found out there's a god, I would probably ask him what the fuck is up with giving children cancer. It's a pretty fucked up thing for you to do. 
You can just choose not to do that, right? You control everything and everything that happens happens because of you. You could just kind of choose not to give children cancer, right? I think that's what I would say. Maybe. Well, that's what I would want to say, but, you know, maybe I'd be terrified. I'd be like, oh, dear God, please don't send me to hell. Dear God. <laughs> not a good look giving kids cancer. No, it's not uh, not a good look sweaty. Pretty problematic. A little problematic. I can, say so yeah. I, can, I can think of a couple problems there. All right. So now, as your scapegoat, if uh, if you could meet any influential leftist, uh, be them dead or alive, who would you like to meet? I think I would have to say Fidel Castro. Yeah. I think he, uh, he seems like a, a very fun. Seems like a very fun guy. He, you know. Seen you know documentaries about him and interviews and everything, and he just seemed like a very down to earth person. He you know joked a lot and seemed very friendly, and but he was also incredibly intelligent. Um, I don't know what I, what I would you know talk with him about really. I don't feel like there's anything I would have to have to know or have to ask him, but I you know. If, I had to pick, you know, an influential socialist to sit down and, you know, have a glass of rum with, you know, that'd be the guy. Delicious rum. Well, the next question was about a hypothetical conversation that you would, you, know, you could have if you want, we could pass on this. And otherwise you can imagine any hypothetical conversation going any way. And I don't know, how, how might it go? We could pass. <laughs> it was, um... Mm -hmm. I think it was a. I think it was a YouTube video, actually. I believe it was uh, made by a group of Mexican Trotskyists. They made a movie where, well, I guess, like a short film where Trotsky went back in time and had a conversation with uh, Karl Marx, and uh, he talked about. How the first country to establish socialism wasn't England or France, like Marx had predicted, but Russia. You know, a backwater, agricultural, near-feudal society. Uh, completely opposite to Marx's idea, which was that the uh, socialism would, would emerge in the countries with the most advanced uh, means of production. The most technologically advanced countries would be the ones to achieve socialism first. And... To an extent, the socialist movement, you know, the socialist, um, the workers' movements and, and the socialist movements did emerge in those industrialized countries. And but where they first succeeded was in Russia. Um, they they'd never succeeded in overthrowing the advanced uh, Western nations because they were so advanced. You know, they they were able to suppress the, the workers' movement and, you know, the the left and the West had to uh, settle for concessions instead of uh, an overthrow of the class system, as Marx had predicted. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, I, maybe I would talk to Marx. Maybe I would ta tell him what happens in the future and how his 
ideas inspire millions and maybe his thoughts and on that <laughs> but i'm not sure i mean um i don't want to come off like uh i think of marx as some kind of prophet or anything who just had perfect ideas about everything and if he was alive now he would know exactly what to do you know like i think he was the first guy who i think he was the first guy who who figured out how class society works and and you know he was the first person to write about it really in in you know he was the first socialist to break away from from utopianism and idealism but i don't think he was you know a, a prophet in that way I, i think he kind of like a scientist right you know like einstein was the guy who discovered relativity but relativity still existed before einstein like the theory still you know was true you know the the laws of the universe were the same before einstein and gravity was a thing before newton right and in that way you know the mater- dialectical materialism was uh, you know a truth of class society before marx wrote about it he just happened to be the one who wrote it down um but yeah i mean of course he he was an intelligent person but he got things wrong he made predictions that were wrong he had wrong opinions about certain things uh-huh. yeah that's it all right azure scapegoat yeah I'm, uh, it's, it's fascinating i love it all right um well this brings us to a favorite leftist book or author and you seem very well read so uh feel free to uh give a few suggestions whatever is off the top of your head um uh, i mean it's a tough question yeah. <laughs> sorry yeah um Whatever. Maybe the, the the person that I enjoyed reading the most was uh, Antonio Gramsci. Okay. Uh, it's his, it's his birthday today, right? Maybe? I heard it, it was his birthday be. or maybe anniversary of death. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Um I I I enjoyed reading Gramsci. Um I I wouldn't recommend anyone read Gramsci before they read, you know, Marx cuz Gramsci was a Marxist. His ideas were based on marxism so uh you know it'd be kind of like watching the sequel to a movie before watching the original but um i yeah. i enjoyed reading gramsci and anyone who hasn't i i recommend reading him maybe uh, maybe gramsci's like the terminator 2 to terminator 1 as you know maybe many people prefer <laughs> terminator 2 um, mm-hmm. but there there are well, always I mean, the purists not, not contradictory yeah Gramsci builds on Marx. He he doesn't replace Marx, of course. Mm-hmm. Um uh another another author that I read um actually not a not a socialist, a social democrat, um an economist is a South Korean. His name is Ha Jun Chang. He uh, wrote a book called uh, Bad Samaritans. Um I think called the full title is something like Bad Samaritans the Myth of Free Trade or something like that. Uh he wrote another book called uh 21 Things They Don't Tell You About Capitalism or or something like that. Okay. Um and it's it's um 
it's enjoyable to to read. Uh, he's he's a good author. He um, he 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 doesn't write very abstractly. He doesn't write for an academic audience. He he writes for you know normal people, and I always appreciate that. It's always easy to to recommend books that aren't too uh, too academic and don't use too many needlessly complicated words. Um, and uh, I I enjoy I enjoy Bad Samaritans because it talks about uh, modern day uh, imperialism and and uh, uh, neo colonialism. Uh, I mean he he you know. Fundamentally, I, I disagree with him because he's, uh, you know, he's a social democrat. He still believes in, um, in 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 capitalism and and right. trade. He just believes in, you know, heavy regulation and, and you know market socialism more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, but but a lot of social democrats can have uh, good critiques and analysis of Mm -hmm. capitalism and free trade without kind of reaching the correct conclusion at the end they kind of stumble near the finish line i think i think hadron chung gets very close (laughs) to uh, the revelation that uh capitalism needs to be uh, you know ripped out roots and all um would be a great guest on the, uh, 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 you know, Daily Show or <laughs> on last week tonight with John Oliver. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's the thing about these things uh, about this, you know, our, our, our neoliberal media is that it sort of delivers you to this place. It, it, it's like a, I always call it a moving walkway, and, a, and a, it leads you left, 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 but it just leaves you there, and you got to complete the analysis. You got to. You got to look at what all these things are sort of pointing around because they fail the analysis. They fail the test of analysis, which is pointing at the central issue or, you know, main central issues. Although this sort of does, it points at the central issue, but still they're a sock dem. It's like, what? Come on. How can you be so close from not and and not connect the dots? Okay, but whatever. Well, it, it, it's, it's a bit of a return to uh, traditional, you know, Adam Smith, David Ricardo capitalism and a rejection of neoliberalism. And I, I think that's why it speaks to me is because it is a harsh critique of neoliberalism, which is the you know current prevailing system of mode of capitalism since you know Reagan and, and Thatcher, Yay. the Cold War. Um, but uh, I mean, I mean, yeah, I I, I think he he. He, I don't know. I mean, he he he's an economist, right? That's okay. what he's educated in. He's not a not a philosopher uh, or a political theorist. He he fundamentally he's an economist, and he's been educated in economics. Which, if you've ever taken you know economics courses in university, you know it's not about you know it's it's it should, it's not about economics it's about capitalism it's about markets and, and free trade right and the mechanics of, of those things and he's reached the correct conclusion which is that the power imbalance between first world and third world nations leads to uh, exploitation and that free trade is not free uh, free trade is coercive um he just hasn't made the connection that capitalism 
and private ownership of the means of production in and of itself is uh is exploitative but uh yeah it's a book that it's a book that i've recommended before i, I don't think there's necessarily yeah. anything wrong in the book itself i just know that the the author is is, is not uh as as much of a he's not a marxist right he hasn't but yeah. um yeah bad samaritans I, I i've read it i don't i don't um I think it's a it's a good book for people who want to understand um, how for, uh, the first world uh, exploits uh, the third world and the the ironically <laughs> him being a social democrat one of you know that's the uh, fundamental issue with social democracy you know and um, Sweden you know the Nordic model of socialism, like Sweden, Denmark, and, and Norway and such, the fundamental problem of social democracy is that they rely on uh, cheap offshore uh, labor, right? They rely on factories in, in Bangladesh and India and Cambodia and Nigeria and Ghana and Ethiopia. Um, and, uh, you know, the the exploitation still exists uh, even if the conditions for so-called labor aristocracy right the, the people who live in relative comfort in in social democratic countries um they still have those luxuries uh, because of exploitation of the global south um so still benefiting from colonialism imperialism etc yeah yeah exactly and it, it and that's it that's tough um it, it's a challenge because being a socialist in a social democratic country it's hard to convince people who aren't that you know interested in politics about the necessity of socialism because you know in america you can talk about socialism and and, and you can talk about the need for, you know, welfare and, and, and benefits and improving the material conditions of, of, you know, people who live in poverty and the working class in general and increasing the, the political rights uh, and, and all of these things. In Sweden, there aren't as many pressing material problems facing the general population. There's nothing really to rile people you know to, to to rally people around as a single unifying cause for the entire working class there isn't really anything like that um and the fundamental reason why social democracy is undesirable isn't because it's not uh, fair enough to to the working class you know we have plenty of benefits and and uh, and that kind of thing, but, but the fundamental reason why social democracy has to go isn't because of the workers in Sweden, it's because of the workers in Bangladesh, you know, and, and trying to convince the average Joe that we need to fundamentally change our entire economic system for the benefit of people in a country you've never been, who speak a language you don't understand, it's hard to do that. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Hey, uh, Azure Scapegoat, we have, uh, I would say, um, 
I want to I want to cut this down maybe five ten minutes. We got about five ten minutes left, uh, as long as you got the time. And this has been a, a really oh, yeah. a, a blast chatting with you. As I understand, I mean, you I, can, I yeah. can go as long as you want. Really, I, I don't have anything to do after this. Uh, part of the format is I'm trying to keep them to like relatively like you know hour ish interviews, and then and then we build yeah. from here. You know what I mean? We're planting seeds, um, and right. my brain can only handle so much information. I think yours can handle more than mine. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm, this is all truly wonderful, and I'm, I'm really enjoying this. And again, looking forward to our next chat. Hopefully, we can we can do that sooner or later. Um, yeah. So that brings me almost to the end of my questions for you, Azure Scapegoat. Last question, uh, actually, before we ask, you do stream now. You do stream on on Twitch. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Twitch.tv/slash Azure Scapegoat. All right. And um, then what uh, we get to ask you is, uh, what streamer tips do you have? Uh, being a streamer, being a viewer of streams, your tips and tricks can be for a beginner or a veteran, etc. What do you What do you What do you think is important for us to know? Anyway, well, yeah. I uh, the the streamer that I you know the that I know the best is Ben. You know, he's the Twitch streamer that I've spoken to the most. I um not really that uh involved with the the leftist twitch community uh that much not not like by choice uh i'd be happy to talk to more people like yourself for instance but uh i think i think ben and i have um we do twitch for 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 different reasons right to to ben twitch is uh his full-time job he has to pay rent right i um i have a patreon right i people donate uh, to my Patreon to support my YouTube channel and uh, my, the website, right? keeping the website online. And um, you know, I I make money from 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 ad revenue and uh, and that kind of thing. And so Twitch for me has never been about subscribers or or bits or anything like that. I really just I stream when I want to, when I stream what I want to, and I do my best to have fun and when i get a random idea and something hits me and i think that'd be funny i just kind of do it and then i see how it works out and i you know i'm not afraid to change things around and experiment i don't know if that's a good tip for everyone but you know so i don't you know I, my livelihood isn't depending on dependent on Twitch, so I, I can kind of afford to experiment and do what I want, you know. Yeah, all right. I think that's excellent advice. I think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of that. Love it. Love it. Well, um, I got a little time left. This means Azure Scapegoat, we can ask you your questions. And if there are any questions in chat that catch your eye that you're willing to answer, feel free to do that. Otherwise, just ignore everything else. That's what I do. Um, and then uh, we'll maybe have a couple minutes to ask you something else. Yeah. 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 All right. So, chat, you fire away. You do your thing. Sometimes they don't have any questions. I just want to warn you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's all right. We've shared your Patreon there in the chat, and I think you've already gotten a new patron. Oh, really? Hell yeah! Thank you. Oh fuck yeah! Um, I have a I have a three hour long uh, video, uh, really, where I analyze a friend friend of me and a friend of mine analyze uh, Shrek uh, from a Marxist perspective. 
So no. if you're looking for that, I think that's uh, what I'm you, looking for. Yeah. You can get access to that for one dollar. Uh, and then if you know, you, if you want to become a patron and then donate one dollar and then unsubscribe, you know, it's totally fine with me. There you go. It's pretty much free at that point. Um, yeah, I, I I prefer to support. Um, you know. People who you look at their numbers and you're like, oh, shit, this person isn't filthy rich. <laughs> I actually would feel good supporting them. <laughs> There's so many people I go to their page. I'm like, no, you don't need my money. Mm. You don't need it. Awesome. Okay, a couple uh, questions. Are you involved in leftist groups uh, currently? Um, I, during uh, COVID, uh, and I've also been very busy with university stuff. It's, it's been tough being politically active, mm-hmm. but um, I don't know. I, I, I've, I've tried. Um, you know, there are lots of great people uh, on the left in 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 Sweden. There's a we have a socialist party called the Left Party. It's very hit and miss. It's uh, it's filled with all kinds of people, uh, ranging from basically just social democrats to you know, ardent communists, and it varies. You know, the 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 quality of the uh, uh, you know ideology uh, varies a lot depending on which local branch you're a member of. Mm. Uh, my experience is in Gothenburg. Uh, you get a lot of left wing members of of uh, the left party. It's called. Whereas I think up north, uh, well, more up north, uh, around Stockholm, and um, you you get a lot more moderate, you know, democratic socialists or social democrats. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, um, I'm always of the opinion that you you shouldn't confide yourself to an ideological box, but you also shouldn't confine yourself to a, a single political organization. Um, I'm not saying you should try to be a member of multiple organizations because sometimes they don't allow that. They don't want you to do that. But, you know, mingle, fraternize, make friends, um, try to try to foster more cooperation and, and unity. I just make friends in general, I think. Uh, yeah. They're asking if anti-fascist action in Sweden is a thing. No, not really. I don't think so. Uh, not to a significant extent, anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, not as a movement, I guess. Uh, I mean, of course, you have anti-fascists uh, in you know the left party and, and leftists in, in general are anti-fascists and you have anarchist groups and anarcho-syndicalists and, and that kind of thing. Of course, and you know there are, there are large counter protests when uh, whenever you know neo Nazis or whatever show up and want to do a march or something. So there is anti-fascism, but Antifa as like you know the, with that symbol and mm-hmm. uh, don't really don't really exist. I, I don't think. I mean, I'm I, I'm sure there are some, but not really widespread or anything like that. All right. All right. All right. Well, as your, as your scapegoat, I got to say, this is uh, actually a perfect time for us to wrap things up. Uh, uh, actually, 
No, hold on. We get we got time. I want to ask. I want to ask. If you got time, I got time. What's grinding your gears? Uh, Azure scapegoat. We got a little time. I don't know. What do we say? Five minutes. Let's do five minutes here. Yeah. Well, uh, what yeah. do you mean by grinding my gears? I don't know. So, like, what's on your mind these days? Uh, you know, separate from what we're chatting about, anything in the news, or just uh, just you're that you're just thinking about these days? Like, what's grinding your gears? And we can pass um, or skip, of course. I I guess something I've been thinking about is uh, complacency in uh, American politics among social Democrats and, and Bernie bros and that kind of thing. Oh, I don't care about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, some complacency amongst sort of like the, the, the left, the Dem Sox, Sox Dems. Yeah, I, I mean, I've I've seen uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez and people who who are really into her and people people who have kind of lost a bit of the uh, the energy, I guess, that they had when when Trump was president. That. Maybe they're a little bit more okay with children in cages so long as it's Biden that's running them. Um, and j- just in general, I've I've seen uh, kind of the political... Uh, I don't know. I, I, I've seen less activity among the general left in, in America after Biden took office. Uh, it might just be me, but it, it's definitely a, a feeling, something I've been thinking about recently. Have you ever seen Top Gun? Do you think we've lost that love and feeling? <laughs> I have not seen Top Gun. That love and feeling. Yeah, uh, maybe we've lost that love and feeling. Maybe maybe you're getting that, uh, uh, now that Adem's, Adem's in office, some, some on the left... Uh, uh, you know, they sort of reveal uh, that they're not as so anti-establishment as as they were a few, few just a few months ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, 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 a dem being in office sort of makes them complacent. Yeah, I, th- I think in all representative democracies, but maybe in America specifically, there's uh, this idea that all politics really amounts to is making sure that you vote and maybe getting other people to vote. And then when it's not election season, you know, there's no politics to do. There's no work to be done. Yeah. You know, I voted. I did my I did my part. You know, I voted for Biden. What more do you want me to do? You know, um, but politics is mostly uh, not about voting. Right. Like most political work is done outside, in my opinion, especially for the left. It should be. Yeah, maybe um, maybe the left is is sedated by what by whatever they sedated Biden with. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, maybe. All right. Okay, that's definitely be something. You know, I consider that a seed planted right there, and I I I just sort of like take notes along the way just so I can pay attention, and because um, otherwise the chat annoys me, or whatever. But uh, or my like my cat steals my attention. But uh, yo, we planted a lot of seeds today, and I'm honestly. <laughs> I, I, I love the chat and I really, really enjoyed this uh, this time that I got to spend with you, getting to know you a little bit more on a personal level as your scapegoat. This is absolutely a pleasure. 
Um, yeah. Again, we invited you here in the spirit of building leftist unity, strength, and power. You were an amazing guest in that uh, in that sense. And, uh, you know, just thanks again. Really looking forward. Hopefully we can do this again. All right. Thanks again, buddy. Yeah, of course. All right. Well, um, with that, Azure Scapegoat, peace, solidarity. See you next time. Peace out. Whoops. Okay, that's okay. That's on my end. It's not broken. <laughs> See you, bud. Azure Scapegoat. Oh, my gosh. That was great. Oh, Azure Scapegoat. I've got the itchiest nose in the world right now. I've got that slow. Hey, listener. You just heard an episode of Leftist and Chill, the show you never knew you didn't need but still can't live without, the podcast version. Content like this is only made with the support of listeners like yourself. Please support at patreon.com slash idansimpson today.